0: Growler Media presents Joe vs. The Minute. Welcome back to Joe vs. The Minute, where we break down the podcast. Yeah, Jesus Christ, already off to a great start. I'm Jarf, and we are taking you to the volcano one minute at a time, looking at 1990s Joe vs. The Volcano. And our usual co-host, Tierney, cannot be here, on this Monday, but we have a very special guest who means a lot to the Joe Versus the Minute community. Welcome, Brad Mendenhall. Hi, Brad.
1: Hey, Jarf. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. So, folks, this is a reunion of sorts because I got my start in podcasting on Brad's show, The Cosmic Geppetto Podcast.
1: Yeah, uh, it was pretty crazy because originally it was called... Um... Movies at Marvel because we were just going to talk about Marvel movies, and I uh, messaged Jarf. He's like, "Hey, you want to do this?" He's like, "Yes, I do." Uh, and I was like, "Well, that was much easier than I thought it was going to be." <laughs> and good lord, like over 160 episodes now, and uh, which of course is nothing in minute by minute world. You know, good lord, the uh, the, the uh, Lord of the Rings guys—that's like a weekend, 160 episodes. But in for weekly pop culture podcast that's a big deal
0: it is a big deal and I don't know if I ever told you the backstory of why I was able to agree so quickly but it just so happened that I had been telling someone in one of the local running groups about the radio show that we did in college and how I was very happy happy with my career but I was still missing that creative outlet and she said well Maybe you should try try to do a radio show again, and and it was different when you were in college. You could just kind of jump in and do that. But then when you approached me with the podcast, I realized that's it. That's that's the college radio show of today. So it just worked out perfectly. And here we are.
1: And here we are, uh, gosh, over three years later and other podcasts under our belt, cause we've, uh, tipped our toe into minute by minute stuff before we'd had a great time with, uh, uh army of darkness uh, or minute of darkness where we talked to army of darkness and, uh, you, you know, it was a lot of fun. And now you're doing this and this is a really interesting choice to make. And I, I, just what I love so much about the Minute by Minute community is it's not, I think if you were to go through the biggest movies of each year, you'd be surprised how few of those get this treatment. It's more sort of the off-kilter selections. And uh, Joe versus the Volcanoes definitely fits that bill.
0: Yes, I certainly gravitate towards the off-kilter s- selections myself. And that was a big part of why we chose this movie. And when I reached out to you to invite you, you said that in particular, you wanted to have a scene with Meg Ryan because you were interested in her career overall. So that brings us to our minute, which is minute 25. And Joe and Dee are on their little date. So I just was hoping that you could give a little background of why you wanted to why you wanted a Meg Ryan minute? Thoughts on Meg Ryan's career overall, and then this very interesting triple role that she plays in *Joe vs. the Volcano*.
1: Well, it's she, her star burned very bright for a period of time, uh, Meg Ryan, and she was an A-list movie star, and people loved her. And then all of a sudden, she just disappeared, um, and it was pretty unique. This isn't like with. With pretty much every career, there's sort of a, a trajectory where you, you start out small, and then you, you get your A-list, and then it, that can't last forever. I mean, Julia Roberts just finished an Amazon TV show because Julia Roberts the biggest star on the planet for a long time, but you can't stay at the top that long. So now she's doing interesting smaller projects, and she still can get movie roles, but she's no longer a... Guaranteed box office. Uh, same with George Clooney. He he was the uh, the biggest movie star on the planet, even though the box office never quite justified it. it. Clooney's a weird case where you realize he hasn't had as many hits as you would think. But now he was doing a, like a Hulu show. The what was it Catch 22? You know, same with I just saw Reese Witherspoon has an Apple TV show for the the, the new Apple Network and uh, with Steve Carell. So you do see people, uh, Russell Crowe doing like uh, supporting roles now. But Meg Ryan just disappeared and she started out as a supporting player uh everyone I think really remembers her from Top Gun where she was Goose's wife and then she sort of then she had when Harry met Sally and then the you know her Hanks trilogy which is interesting in and of itself because you realized only one of those movies was really successful Joe vs. the Volcano was not a big movie when it came out and then it just sort of went away and she stopped acting, and I'm not, I don't want to say she stopped acting, but she no longer was doing a lot of stuff. And it's, it's just really interesting career. I can't think of a lot of other people who have had that burn so bright and then go nowhere. It, that makes her unique.
0: I th- think that's an excellent point. And I'm curious, do you have any theories of why?
1: I think she got tired of the role she was given because she was, she's adorable. She's very cute. And she was playing the cute girl next door. And the the cute romantic lead. And first off, I think it's sort of like almost like playing a bad guy. Alan Rickman got tired of playing the bad guy because they always wanted him to, you know, to be the villain because he was so good at it. But the fourth time you get thrown off a building by Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, whoever, it loses its effectiveness. I think it's also the same thing with, with Meg Ryan, where when you're the cute girl in the romantic uh, the rom-com, well, the, you know, the fifth time you, you fall into the arms of Tom Hanks and, and Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks, <laughs> it's probably not creatively fulfilling. And it's also just diminished returns.
0: Right, right. I've read some interesting criticism of this movie looking at... At Meg Ryan's characters in particular as sort of a precursor to how her career would play out. If you look at the progression of roles that she plays.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, is Dee Dee... Dee Dee's very much eh, the best friend or wife of the best friend character that she played for a while. It's a little bit Goose, although her character in Top Gun uh, was a little more uh, brash but yeah that, that's her, yeah that, that makes sense I, I could see that this sort of almost being a microcosm of her career
0: yeah it's and I'm with you on the brash that Top Gun was my introduction to Meg Ryan she was so charming in that role and and I have always been a fan of of her comic acting in particular. And I now that I'm giving Joe versus Volcano a closer look, I'm really seeing just all of the amazing little facial expressions and intonations that she makes. And it's, it's when you look at it closely, it's a tour de force. And so why don't we look at this minute closely? So minute 25, it starts with Joe blowing Didi's Dee mind with his philosophical musings. And it ends with Dee, Dee asking Joe how he feels. So here they are. They're in the cute little restaurant. I like that they got all dressed up for their date. So how how did you, what jumped out at you in this minute?
1: First off, when I just watching this minute by itself, good Lord, Tom Hanks' hair. Uh. <laughs> and, you know, they, and it's interesting because Tom Hanks' Also has played a lot of romantic leads and, but he's not a great looking guy. He's definitely a sort of handsome guy, but if, if he worked in your office, he wouldn't be the guy, all the, the ladies would be uh, fawning over. Um, but then, so it doesn't take too much to make him look sort of plain and dumpy. So, um, giving him like long stringy hair and even though he is dressed up, it's muted colors. Uh, and it's it's like, it's a real dark background but what he has is he he does have a lot of charisma and a lot of energy and um it's sort of interesting where you look at his career and i was just talking with someone about uh his movie man with one red shoe um
0: oh you know i've never seen that
1: it's a perfectly fine uh comedy it was like one of the last movies where tom hanks had a little bit of an edge and he used to play sort of edgy leading men
0: get out really
1: yeah even the burbs had a little bit of it not a lot it was definitely going away by that point but uh nothing in common and a man with one red shoe even and i know it's a ridiculous thing to say but even bosom buddies he was sort of a shifty guy hmm. i mean but you know you realize bosom buddies is about two guys who are dressing in drag to like sneak into a woman you know uh, an all women's hotel uh, or apartment complex and there was a like a weird little bit of edginess to him And even uh, going going to uh punchline uh there was a bit of that
0: that's with sally field right
1: yeah that was with sally field and it was it came out i think the same year as big and it was more of a dramatic turn Hmm. and he was a jerk and he could play jerks and he could play even nice guys with a little edgy a bachelor party he he was he he was sort of a 'er ne'er-do-well in bachelor party so it's interesting this is he's losing that edginess but he still has the energy, and there's a manic quality to him, and it it's really effective because without that, there, you don't understand what she would see in him.
0: So, bachelor party era Tom Hanks. I I haven't seen Bachelor Party since the eighties. Was he sort of the Ryan Reynolds Van Wilder of that era?
1: Yes, yes, that's definitely how they were they were presenting it. Now he never he never had Ryan Reynolds looks or build, um, but he definitely had the charm. I mean, Tom Hanks has never really. An action movie, and despite the fact that he's a he's a tall guy, but he just doesn't it. it, He just doesn't convey that. So yeah, it's yeah. There's definitely. I think that would be a real good comparison, like Ryan Reynolds, especially pre when he was doing a lot of rom com. Mm -hmm. There was definitely some similarities there.
0: So we have Joe just blowing Didi's mind. She she is giving us all of this nervous laughter and giggles, and she says outright that he is kind of scaring her right now, which I think with a different tone could actually read as a creepy situation. But it, because of the performances, I don't think that it does. I know that there is a thing When you are really scared But you're kind of laughing it off I don't feel like That's what's happening with Dee Dee Do you?
1: No And I think well, First off it helps that We've been seeing this movie From Joe's perspective So we know he's not a bad guy mm-hmm. uh, Second off It is nervous laughter But she's also leaning in When she laughs mm. And she's making big eyes And she Meg Ryan does this great thing With her eyes Where she's just sort of Almost like searching her can, The way she looks up up and around it's almost like she's searching her head and she's really digging it. Mm-hmm. so that when she says she's scared it comes across more like she's excited and scared right. like she's sort of uh, freaked out how much he, how different he is than what she always thought he was and how much she's liking it so it's It's a fine line. It helps that these are two really likable actors who have who have good chemistry. Because if this could completely blow up in this could completely blow up in the movie's fate, if not for uh, their ability to make this work.
0: Right, right. Seems like she just didn't quite have the words to describe how she was feeling. And it's perhaps it's more that she's overwhelmed than she's scared.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely her search. The character searching for the word for the word, and that's what she came up with. that's that's a really good way of of point of uh, describing it.
0: So let's pull back from the minute a little bit because as our week goes on, we are really going to kind of move this love story along pretty quickly, and I think that that's going to give us a lot to talk about. So I thought today might be a good time to just talk about your thoughts on the movie. Overall, do you remember your history with it the first time you saw it has it been something that you've ever revisited until you were roped into doing this podcast with me since
1: uh i saw this in theaters
0: oh nice
1: um and it was a really unique film because especially tom hanks was viewed as a comedic actor and it was but it's not it, it's a comedy in that it's, it's it's the closest thing you could describe it to but this isn't a big laugh comedy right so it was sort of um interesting seeing it from that perspective watching this and expecting expecting big expecting it's like hey when's he gonna jump on the piano mm-hmm. and no and it, it, it had some depth uh, almost sort of a similar vibe uh, perhaps uh, although this movie went for bigger laughs early in the movie but um like groundhog's day one of these movies that you expect a comedy and then all of a sudden it gets a little deeper than you were expecting
0: yeah folks that came to this movie expecting to see tom hanks shoot whipped cream out of his nose were probably pretty shocked and when the opening scene is him just stepping into a puddle of mud and ruining his shoe and they spend about 15 minutes in just a dreary german expressionist dystopian very unsatisfied like work scenario it's like where, what what did i sign up for but the magic is coming folks trust me
1: yeah and of, of course it's also it was really weird that they cast meg ryan three times in this movie um and also how different the characters were and i mean they they really didn't need to i on one hand i get why they did because how magnetic meg ryan is and a chance for her to show her an chops and i bet she enjoyed the chance to do that but it, it was i think a lot of people were watching this movie trying to figure that out is is she the same character because it's not like she's a vocal comedian a chameleon right or. right um and I I can't think of, I'm trying to think of other movies that did the same thing where they would have the same actor in different roles. Uh, I'm coming up with Cheech Marin in uh, From Dust Till Dawn.
0: Mm. There's also George Burns in Oh God, You Devil.
1: Yeah. Yes, that that's very true, and that uh, I'm trying to think of any others. And it's it's a it's a rare thing to do, uh, and I don't know if it always works. You know, with Till Dawn, that was barely a move. Till Dawn was a chance for Quentin Tarantino to hang out with people he liked. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it was it, it's a daring decision, and it you I think it works, and I think it's it works a lot better the more you see it, and with a little bit of time, because this was a hard movie to advertise, and they were advertising it like a wacky comedy. Mm, yes,
0: tyranny. And I have shared our objections to the presentation of the movie in the trailer and their attempts to sort of sell it as this assembly line Hollywood comedy and create that false expectation only to have people disappointed. I I would love to see a recut trailer that leans into the quirkiness of the movie.
1: Yeah, and I get why they do it but it really does a disservice to movies and to the audience when and I remember the ads for this and it was all took place on the island and it was a lot of Meg Ryan is like you're gonna marry, wait a minute I love you and you're gonna marry me or something along those lines and the biggest moments of the movie and with the most color and every now and then I figure once a year every other year there's a movie that comes out that's very good and the audience hates and there's a, what's it, there's a I think they do a grading system that they have where people they poll people leaving the theater, and the ones that get the F. Are the movies that have dishonest um, movie previews? So I'm thinking of um, what was the one with Matt Damon, uh, Talented Mr. Ripley, mm. where the ads made it look like it was sort of a weird thing where Matt Damon was was obsessive about Gwyneth Paltrow, and in the actual movie he was obsessive about um, what's his name, Jude Law. So I remember seeing that movie with a friend, and she's like, "Wait a minute, is he gonna is he gonna kiss Jude Law?" <laughs> <laughs> and people left that really uh, frustrated. And then I think there was also what was it? A uh, Killing Them Softly, uh, Brad Pitt movie where they were advertising it like a Brad Pitt action movie where he's an assassin, and it was much more of a think piece Ooh, than that.
0: I haven't seen that.
1: And people hate. Yeah, really good movie, and people freaking hated it because it was dishonest. And you know, it's funny. Bad movies get good audience scores because they're honest. Listen, if you go to an Adam Sandler movie, you don't leave there angry because it was a bad Adam Sandler movie. You just went because that's what you're going for
0: right and people knew to cite another example what they were in for when they went to see snakes on a plane exactly as advertised (laughs) just snakes on a plane
1: yeah yeah you you gotta and i get it where is it and it's so dishonest because it's definitely a thing it's like we want to get a big opening to people who want to see a wacky tom hanks comedy we don't care if that's what they're giving them by the time they figure it out we already got their money Mm, right so surprise surprise Hollywood
0: cinema. Hollywood is cynical, but you know where folks are not cynical on the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. So since as Tierney and I have discussed uh, before you were on the Cosmic Geppetto podcast is how Tierney and I met and how we started recording together. So like I mentioned earlier, it really means a lot to us. So I just wanted to make sure that I carved out some time so you could give a nice plug for uh, what you've continued to do over there in Cosmic Geppetto.
1: Yeah. um, Basically, like I said, it started off as uh, just we were going to talk about Marvel movies. And our first episode, it was Jarf and I talking about the first Iron Man film. And it was crazy how quickly that just went out the window. Because it ended up, uh, there was just a lot more to talk about. And we went in a lot of different directions and we ended up having amazing musicians and actors and authors and comedians. And um, it, it, we were sort of, we, we changed the name to Cosmic Geppetto. And we were doing really cool stuff, but I realized that we didn't sort of have our, our marching orders. We didn't know what, who we, what we were. And it was Jarf who decided, it's like, you know, we need to you sort of said that we need to be more inclusive and focus on that. And that was sort of where it all developed. It was like we we're going to be positive geek culture. And that's what we've become. It's a, a positive geek, geek culture. And, you know, we we like the stuff that we talk about. And we like the people that we have on. And we, are happy, we, we enjoy the movies and the music and everything. You know, we don't want to be another show where people talk about uh, whatever TV show and then they spend the entire time grumbling about how much they hate the TV show. We don't want to be that. We love this stuff and we want to share it with the other people that love it as well and we're trying to like, not put any more bile into the internet.
0: Exactly. It's, and I think that it was always a part of the show's DNA from its inception so I was really pleased that you were open to that discussion and that natural evolution, because I I remember even when we started recording our first episodes, you you did, I think we were at a ballgame and you were talking about what you dislike most in podcasts is when they're spending their free time just to talk about something they hate. And now we're drawing a distinction here from giving legitimate criticism, whether you just think it's fun to critique something and oh, maybe there's a tweak to make it better, or maybe calling out something that you see as problematic. No, we're talking about that, that vein of YouTube ranter who they only ever say negative things. And it's, I think a lot of times, honestly, a grift because the the most extreme negative online opinions are the stickiest and so uh, uh, for folks trying to monetize their podcast it it, it makes sense to as soon as the last jedi comes out throw up their video why the last jedi is a complete cinematic failure and there's tons of misogyny all woven up in there too so it just tons i mean there's tons of capital P problematic fandom out there. And then contrast with that to those times that are fun when you're just talking with your friends about things that you're mutually interested in and, and what you're a fan of, and you really kind of gravitated more towards that naturally. And then once we started to get more traction in terms of guests that we could attract. And like you mentioned, you had a chance to interview some great musicians and creators and you said, well, let's make sure that this isn't just positive. It's also more inclusive. And so we are are bringing in a diversity of voices. I think that's a great contribution to the world and not for nothing. It also just makes the podcast a hell of a lot more fun because then you meet cool people from different walks of life that you get they like spider-man too but they got a little bit of a different perspective on it so it just makes the, it enriches the conversation so it, it's really a win-win and uh and you know the haters can live in their anger and, and you get to make an awesome podcast so thank you so much for being our guest uh, on this monday and i hope that you can come back on wednesday so we can talk about minute 26
1: yeah, I'm hanging out.
0: Great. So, where can folks find the Cosmic Geppetto podcast on so- social media and otherwise?
1: Uh, on Twitter, we're at Cosmic Gpod, and on Facebook, uh, it's the Cosmic Geppetto listeners group. Let me make sure. Yeah, uh, Cosmic Geppetto listeners page. We don't. We, we don't have a website. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was too hard. It was too hard to keep a website up. Uh, but and we're on all your favorite podcatchers so it's the Cosmic Geppetto podcast and we would love to get your ratings and reviews
0: definitely check that out uh, thanks again Brad <laughs> I didn't say that right I know your name <laughs> and we uh, will be back on Wednesday in the meantime you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Joe versus Minute so I don't know how to end the show because normally I end it with Tierney and I throw it to her in some kind of way. Sometimes a natural way, and sometimes in a way that throws her completely off.
1: And then she says, "Away from the things of man," totally normally, and she never does anything (laughs) weird. She's been here the whole time. The call's coming from inside the house. Tierney
0: is right behind you. (laughs) That's great.
1: That's a growler.